0: Jesus said to the disciples, have you understood all this? I think they should have said no, no. There are a number of thorny issues presented uh, in our scriptures today, and we won't be able to deal with all of them, but I hope we can address them as existential questions and about real life and not just theological, things of theological interest. But consider this verse from Romans. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son in order that he might be the firstborn of a large family. Have you understood all this? (laughs) No. If you've thought about predestination at all, you have probably had some instincts that it's about whether or not we are predestined for heaven or hell by some divine election. And indeed, that's what some interpreters of Paul have understood, at least in part, to be the implication of what Paul's saying. But it's slightly more subtle than that, having to do with ensuring there could be nothing that we can understand that could constrain God's absolute, utter freedom in any way. Some of you might have heard of Martin Marty, long-time teacher of religion at the University of Chicago, now in his 90s, and he once defined predestination with his tongue firmly in his cheek. He defined it this way, it's a mysterious method of express delivery by which a package arrives before it has, in fact, been shipped. (laughs) Interesting as these debates are, the bottom line is that, for me, there is no time, there is no history, until matter expands. And so time is part of the created order. And the creator is, therefore, in a sense, outside of time. Or we might say, all of time, all of history, is accessible to God at once. And so the time-bound issues of foreknowledge and predestination to some preconceived outcomes, they melt away. And predestination instead becomes rather a hopeful and gracious part of creation. I hope that will become more clear as I go on. The gracious purpose is that God, we might say, foreordained that we should be in the process of being conformed to the image of his Son, conformed to the image of his son. Now, that, that in itself needs a little bit unpacking. Surely, Paul doesn't mean that we'll start to resemble Jesus, you know, long hair, dirty feet, so on. Uh, that's a bit like asking about the resurrection of the body as to which one we're talking about, the paunchy old and decrepit one that you see before you, or the imaginative one of my memory when I was swole and flat-tumied and hirsute, you know. Now I think what it means to be conformed to the image of Jesus, I think about his character, I think about his absolute integrity, which our tradition calls his being without sin. I think of his capacity to remain non-anxious when everyone around him seems to be bent out of shape. I think about his clarity of purpose. I think about his prioritizing real relationships over norm and tra- norms and tradition when necessary, and so reaching out to tax collectors and sinners. I think about his realization in Gethsemane that the worst thing in life is not death, but rather the worst thing in life is breaking faith with the source of love, the source of life, the love that is the source of life itself. If being conformed to the image of Jesus means growing in our capacity to live in such ways, live generously and hopefully and courageously and lovingly, then sign me up. But this conforming is not something that we do. We are being conformed to the image of Jesus. We're becoming ever more the people we were created to be, ever more fully the people we're created to be. And for, For grasping this, it's helpful to turn to one of the parables, fascinating parables from today's Gospel reading. The kingdom of heaven is like a net that was thrown into the sea and caught fish of every kind. Now the word fish doesn't appear in the Greek. And the net, the word for net, implies what we might call a dragnet. In other words, the kingdom of heaven is like a dragnet that scours the bottom of the sea and picks up all kinds of debris. And with the translators of Scripture, we might imagine includes fish. There will be some sorting out, and just like the end of the age, the evil will be thrown into the furnace of fire, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. But here's the thing. The kingdom is like that net that gathers up everything... And because the sorting is not immediate, there is always room for growth. I'm reminded of the Jesuit priest who said, I'm obliged to believe in hell, but I'm not obliged to believe there's anyone in it. (laughs) Or, Or we can go to that fount of theological wisdom, the Marigold Hotel movies, in which we hear, all will be well in the end. And if all is not well, then it is not the end. The good news is that there's plenty of time for the Spirit to do her conforming work of drawing us into the likeness of Jesus so that we live more hopefully and more joyfully and more courageously and more generously and more lovingly than we ever imagined possible. The stated goal of this conforming work is so that Jesus can be the firstborn of a large family. And for me, that's another way of talking about the forgiven community of all faithful people. The people uh, we become after absolution, where we stand and pass the peace, uh, saying, I desire everything for you that occurs when God is present. That peace. The forgiven community, all those whom God has made, and with all creation, has declared good. Surely that is what the airlines like to call our final destination the nearer presence of God, the love that made us for love, all humanity with all of our marvelous difference drawn into one family and from which nothing can separate us. Think for just a moment in this regard about how prayer changes over time, how we are conformed in a sense towards what really matters when we pray for someone we love who's had a terrible diagnosis, for example. We start by praying earnestly for healing this is where Sage and I find ourselves in relation to a, a dear friend who's been treated for a rare and lethal cancer at Sloan Kettering, and he's just been told he can go back to Atlanta, back to home for a bit. He's not out of the woods, but we still pray for him and his family for healing. But with others, with others I've found that I start with that prayer, and then maybe the prayer changes and I start praying that she will begin to deal with some things that she needs to deal with relationships that are broken or other things as her horizon nears and then perhaps over time i will start praying that she just be spared from pain and then maybe we'll get to a point I have done often of praying that this person i love will die will let go and 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 and, and, and let herself go to the nearer presence of god And I think this is a process of being conformed to the image of Jesus, moving ever more deeply into what really matters, and the most fundamental truth that our horizon is not death. Our horizon is the nearer presence of God, the love that made us for love. There's a reason we so often read from the eighth chapter of Romans at funerals because it's about that destination from which nothing can separate us. We can remember other scriptures, Acts 10 where Peter sees the the sheet coming down and you must not call unclean what God has declared clean. The parable of the wheat and the weeds growing together that we heard about last week. The dragnet of today's gospel. Not even suffering can ultimately separate us from the love of God who sees all things, all of our lives, the whole of our lives is held in that love. And so let's leave the last word to Brother Paul. I am convinced that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of Christ Jesus our Lord. I offer this in gratitude for three months in your midst, and in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. The Chapel of the Cross is an Episcopal church in the heart of Chapel Hill and the university community. Find out more at thechapelofthecross.org. There you can find our latest news and events, connect with our pastoral care team, Faith in Action Ministries, and offer a prayer request. You can also find us on social media on Instagram at thechapelofthecross, and on Facebook and Twitter. C O T C, Chapel Hill. May you be nourished by the word to serve in the world.